If you enjoy listening to She's Sober Sydney, we would be immensely grateful if you could take two minutes to do two things, subscribe to or follow our podcast, plus write a review. These two things will help get our pod to the people who need it. Thank you so much. So wherever you may be, driving, exercising, having a cup of tea, we really hope you enjoy this next episode. Hi, I'm Meg. And I'm Bella. And we're the hosts of She Sober Sydney. We are This Naked Mind certified coaches who have each discovered that life is just so much better without booze. This podcast is for you if you're questioning your relationship with alcohol and you're looking for some positivity, love and support. Sharing our own vulnerabilities and stories helps us know we're not alone. So let's do this together. Good morning, everybody. Today we are going to discuss the phrase or term alcoholic. Are you an alcoholic? Am I an alcoholic? As a starter, we just wanted to say that First of all, if you believe you're physically addicted to alcohol, if you are a moderate to heavy consistent drinker that might present daily, then really important for you to get guidance around how to safely detox under medical supervision. Second of all, we really respect anybody out there that chooses to identify as an alcoholic. We know that people really choose to use this term and hold it closely to them because it helps with their own recovery. And we 100% respect that. Uh, So we just want to also then talk about what that term can mean for other people that might find that it stigmatizes them and really just debate this term in terms of where it has originated from and what uh, other means of identifying that alcohol presents a problem in your life without reaching for this term. So Meg, I know that you've done a bit of research around this. What did you find? Yes, I did in preparation for this podcast. I had a look, um, did the Googling, you know, what is the definition of alcoholic? And I also know it's not a term, a medical term. Uh, So I tried to look for different information. It was actually quite hard to find something. Uh, But I found two things that did resonate with me. So the first was from a rehab center for addiction treatment in Florida. And they said, alcohol use disorder is a diagnosis used by medical professionals to describe someone with an alcohol problem to varying degrees, mild, moderate, severe. Alcoholism is a non-medical term used most often in everyday language and within the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. And then I found another one, which was um, alcoholism is broadly any drinking of alcohol that results in significant mental or physical health problems. Because there is a disagreement on the definition of the word alcoholism, it is not a recognized diagnostic entity and the use of alcoholism terminology is discouraged due to its heavily stigmatized connotations, except when people choose to self-identify, for example, in Alcoholics Anonymous. Predominant diagnostic classifications are alcohol use disorder or alcohol dependence. Mm, Yeah. And it's interesting to know that the term alcoholic is not really Mm -hmm. showing up so so much within that sentence. Well, I actually found some interesting stuff as well. So that term alcoholic, from what I could work out, Mm -hmm. 
was formulated decades and decades and decades ago by a random group of people that were forming a club, and I think it had cult-like um, <laughs> tendencies, and they were called the Alcoholic Club or the Alcoholic Group. Um, and then that term stuck during some as part of a descriptor of people who had a problem and then was just used in everyday cultural terms. So it has no scientific derivation or medical basis on which to um, diagnose someone with a problem. And mm. yeah, I, I find Very that interesting. really, really interesting. You know, I was, I was actually thinking, well, I, I don't mind using the term alcoholic when you're describing what's in a beverage. You know, is it an alcoholic mm-hmm. drink? Is it a yes. non-alcoholic drink? Mm-hmm. But when it comes to describing a person, that's where the problem can start for many people. And Meg, I'm curious, well, how would you describe yourself? I don't like being labelled or I have have had people say, so I didn't know you were an alcoholic. And I just feel it makes me cringe. It makes me a bit angry. And looking into that, it's because I'm not just one thing, mm. um, but I'm also not at all happy to label myself because I, looking back, I can say I did have an alcohol use disorder because I misused alcohol. There's no doubt I had too much. I don't doubt that. I don't need to know where I fit on that scale. I haven't done the test. Um, So when people do say that, I say, well, I wasn't an alcoholic. I'm not. Um, That's just not something I resonate with at all. If they want more information, I can happily say I did overuse alcohol. But, mm. yeah, I think it it really irks me because that's not how I see myself. And I knew, I knew probably a long time ago that I couldn't use it properly. And so I've done, been on a long journey, as we all know, it's not, you know, it's not black and white. Um, and got to the point where I knew it wasn't serving me in any way, shape or form, and I needed to be the best person I could be for myself and my family. And so I have chosen a life without alcohol. Yeah. So I I just don't want the label. How about you, Bella? What do you think of the term? I also feel like it's a heavily loaded term that stigmatizes the person that's that's the story the meaning the definition that I've personally Mm -hmm. attached with it based on I guess how I've experienced the term being used as I've grown up Mm -hmm. how I see it portrayed on tv and all the images around and I guess how I've heard people mention it in everyday conversation so for me it's it's a term that I don't want to attach to myself, um, and and I think for good reason because mm-hmm. I'm not part of the alcoholic club that was formed no. decades ago. <laughs> no one gave me an invitation. Uh, so and there's no scientific or medical basis for it. So you know that's not a label I think has any mm. uh, basis to it. I think when I look back, I was certainly a grey area drinker for a good twenty years. Mm-hmm. Um, sliding up and down that scale depending on what was going on in my life and how mm. I was using alcohol at various points, it changed. I would have mm. gone up and down, up and down. Yeah. And then for the last year uh, before I went completely alcohol-free, I would have said I was uh, at that 
dangerous red flashing mm. light spot where I was physically addicted. Uh, so I would, the way that I would describe myself is someone that had an alcohol use disorder, went to a point of um, physical addiction, and now I'm an alcohol-free person mm-hmm. by choice. Yeah. And yeah. that that's how I like to to put it, wrap it up and describe myself right now. I guess, Meg, what does it bring up for you when people use this term alcoholic? Yeah, well, I asked my daughter recently. She's She was talking about someone and mentioned something about being an alcoholic. And I said, look, what is an alcoholic to you? And she said, well, someone that drinks in the morning. And I thought about then what it, I had always thought an alcoholic was. And to me, it's the guy sitting on the corner with a bottle in a brown paper bag. And so I guess maybe it goes back to that subconscious. If someone says it to me, I go, absolutely mm. not. You know, yeah. if if someone labels themselves as an alcoholic, that is absolutely fine. But if someone's saying they're an alcoholic or you're an alcoholic, that's where I have the issue. Yeah. A lot of assumptions are built yes. within that. Um, and it, it I guess it only it depends on how we receive it based on what definitions we attach to it and the imagery and all the rest of it. For me, I think um it it's that the the I am component of the sentence beforehand mm-hmm. because it it feels for me that then there's no room for you to be anybody else. Um, it's really plonked you in a category of a person with a serious problem with alcohol and it that's quite a separatist feeling. Mm. It's a them and us. And I think that suits many people who don't want to be tarnished with that brush. Uh, it's easier for a lot of people to say, well, you're irresponsible, you cannot handle it, you've got a problem, mm. versus us drinkers over here who uh, us normies, in quotes, who can handle it. It's a them us thing. For me, that really just stigmatizes that person left over there mm. as a as somebody with a problem. And I also think it places the blame on the person and not the substance. Yeah, um, which is just such a, an easy dodge because it is a highly addictive substance that uh, big alcohol make a lot of money out of Mm. by advertising it to be um, success and fun, Mm. all the rest of it. So it's it's dressed up and packaged as this um, necessity to socialising and existing in Australia. And for me it's – it's that manipulation of what alcohol is represented in the world. And I think we need to break that down because it's not the person, it's 100% mm. the substance mm. and and how we've um, all grown up around it within our cultural society to present it as something that needs to be present in everyday life. The, the crux of it for me is that it... Um, the term alcoholic makes you feel weak-willed and powerless. Uh, it feels set in stone. So once you've been uh, labelled that, it's like that is it for you for the rest of your life. And mm. I truly don't believe that is the case. I think it is a sliding scale. 
you are able to pull yourself out of the degree at which you are presenting on that sliding scale, that you you can feel empowered with the right tools, help to be able to move from severe to moderate to mild alcohol use disorder mm-hmm. uh, and from there to be able to su- successfully be liberated from it in a way that you're not continuously feeling powerless over it. That for me is incredibly powerful and when you're viewing it from that perspective, you feel full of self-compassion mm. and you feel empowered to be able to uh, regain control over a substance, which I fully believe we can do. Yeah. So, Meg, it is a really researched term. Yes. People who have that inner voice about alcohol and whether it's serving them anymore, jump on Google and type in, am I an alcoholic? Mm. So people, even though we're, there is this stigmat- stigmatization attached to it, people are out there researching it. People want some kind of benchmark to be able to determine whether they've hit a point at which there's an objective uh, person out there or an objective point at which they've reached, which suggests they need to do something about it. So people might feel it, but they want to find something else external to them that says, yeah, it's a problem, time to slow down. What would be some of the ways that people could tell that it is time for them to stop, do you think? Well, it's going to be individual on how you feel about that. Yeah. Um, if you if you are looking forward to a drink every day, that might be a problem for you. If you need it to relax, de-stress, unwind. If you need it to uh, stop loneliness, yeah. if you need it to deal with the kids, um, I I know for me it was slowly increasing what I was drinking each day. Yeah. Have, and I had an excuse, I'm stressed at work. You know, just I think you will know if it's not serving you. I was then waking up feeling not good, you know, so um, I wasn't as productive as I could have been. I got used to having a hangover. You know, nothing that you would could Nothing that some people would say is rock bottom, mm, but mm. but it was affecting my energy, my life, my happiness. You know, so looking at looking at how you are feeling, yeah. And if you want to feel better, then that's enough of a sign. Maybe have that thirty day break, give it a try, see how you go without alcohol. Do you think about it a lot? Are you craving mm. it? Have a look how you deal with that 30 days and then go from there. Give yourself that time to yeah. think about it. They're wonderful, wonderful points, Meg. Uh, it's it's really worth doing an inventory of your life to see mm. how much alcohol has crept into your everyday feelings and thoughts and experiences of life. Um, get your pen and paper out. and. It can be obvious, can't it? Like if you Mm. are right up there in the moderate to severe Mm. um, scale, point on this alcohol use disorder scale, there are going to be some pretty obvious signs in your life, probably comments from your family and friends. Mm. You might have obvious um, things like, blackouts or you've missed work or your relationships are suffering, there are lots of fights, Uh, that's when it's 
fairly clear, isn't it, that it's time mm. to do something about it. If you're sliding back down the scale of the alcohol use disorder, it can be a little less obvious. But this is just a really good reminder that it's always best to catch it earlier rather than later. I'm the I'm the great example of that. If you're a grey area drinker and but you're in the the light grey, it's best to really be cognizant of when it's starting to encroach too much into your life earlier because it's much mm. easier then to get yourself out of the situation. I think all of those points you said are great and that they a lot of them are mentioned in that D mm. it's called DSM5. That's the medical diagnostic tool out there where they've got mm. 11 symptoms. Yeah. And it's not a black and white cut and dried diagnostic tool. There's lots of um, room to move. It can be quite subjective based on what your answers are and, and I guess based on where you're at at the time in your life when the questions are asked because it does move mm. around. The way that that tool works is is they categorise you as mild if there are two to three symptoms present, moderate if there are four to five symptoms present and severe if there are six or more, six or more symptoms present. And they are things like... Um, has your tolerance increased? Mm. Uh, are you needing alcohol in more of the activity, everyday activities of your life? Are you experiencing strong cravings? Uh, is it really impacting all of your relationships, your careers, your your abilities just to live, you know, a really happy life? Are you in situations where it's physically hazardous? You know, are you putting mm. yourself, your safety at risk? Mm. Um, there are all those sorts of things. And ultimately, I think you've got to follow that voice inside of you that's saying, uh, I have now become so dependent and fixated on alcohol becoming part of my everyday life that it's no longer serving me and it's time to stop and do it earlier rather than later. I guess in terms of practical um, tips for me, every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, yeah, uh, I couldn't envisage a night without the bottle being cracked yep. open or cooking mm -hmm. dinner was always associated with a glass of red wine. You know, I was starting to have wine before I went out to lunch with friends yeah, because I thought it was so ingrained with mm -hmm. socialising and I needed a... I needed to drink before I went out so that because I wanted to cover up how much I was drinking. I mean, they're, they're really obvious signs, aren't they? They are. And <laughs> and I ended up not even going out because I wanted yeah. to drink at my own pace at home. Mm. But they might be obvious signs. It's, it's still not necessarily going to be easy mm. Mm. to make that choice. For me, it became about the fear of what might happen. And that helped me make the choice. Yeah. But really we've got to listen to that voice inside that's giving us the warning. It's giving us the red flags. And yeah. And finally, the way to look at it is, well, what is your ultimate goal here? Mm. How do you want alcohol to show up in your life? Mm. Do you want to be in control or do you want alcohol to be in control of you? And I guess for those of us at, that a naked mind coaches, the ultimate goal is to be in a spot where um, you no longer desire alcohol. 
you can take it or leave it. Mm. You can be at a function and you're not looking around for it. Um, and the way that we often talk about it is to really examine if you're fixated or liberated. Mm. Uh, and the hallmarks of being fixated are that you're thinking of the wine in the fridge, the mm. unopened bottle, you're not being able to drive past the bottle shop without thinking about getting a bottle of wine. You're thinking about it at four o'clock in the afternoon. Mm. Or if the bottle's opened, you're thinking about your next glass before you've even finished your first. You're about to go out to a function and you're thinking, well, I better bring the alcohol because I know they don't drink too much. Mm-hmm. Or you're at yep. the function and you're thinking, you're following the waiter, looking where the bar mm. is. So you're not present in your yep. everyday life and enjoying the moment. Exactly. It's creating a freedom from alcohol, however yeah. that may look to you. And for us, we there's no more thinking about drinking and that's the ultimate freedom. So yeah. that's what we as coaches are aiming for and that might look different to everyone. But as long as we get to a freedom from alcohol and for you and me, it's not on our mind anymore. We happily choose not to have a drink yeah. at this point, you know, where we're yeah. at peace. Always think about whether you can do 30 days free. Mm. And if you get to the first four days, seven days, 10 days, and you're caving in and you're finding it really hard, that might just be a sign that uh, alcohol is controlling you more than you're controlling it. Mm. Um, and there are lots of options out there to try and get yourself to the point where you're not fixated on it. And we can give you lots of advice on that if you jump onto our respective websites. Yeah. It's been really interesting, Bella, and obviously we could talk all day. It's a very, it's a heavy subject. It's a heated subject. Mm. It has been such a great chat, Meg. I've, you know, really peeling back the layers of this loaded term and why we Mm. feel very protective of our own identity and how we like to describe ourselves uh, when it comes to our experiences with alcohol. It's so individual. Yeah, it it just comes back to that really, um, that simple starting point. You meet people where they are at when it comes to Mm. defining themselves. You know, what, what I've enjoyed so much about this is that even though you and I have reached this point, we've, we've even got our own definitions about how we mm. um, view the term alcohol and why. It all comes back from our own stories that we've developed over the course of our lives. Absolutely. Um, Meg, it's been really good jumping on the mic with you again. It's been a long time. Since oh, we've, so good. Yeah, yeah. We've, had a, we've had a podcast chat. So lovely to be back with you. And, um, yeah, so each week we'll have some more guests, which has been amazing, and then we will reunite again further down the track. Love it. <laughs> um, send in the questions, guys. We we loved yes. this one that came on in. And, yes. yeah, bring, bring yep. on the next one. If you don't already know, in addition to our podcasting work, we are each sobriety coaches with our own separate businesses helping people to drink less. If you or a loved one want to take a break from alcohol, we invite you to have a look at our individual websites. Meg's is glassfulfilled.com.au and Bella's is isabellaferguson.com.au. So take the next step that feels right for you.